0: Welcome to the podcast everybody. My name is Manfred Singh. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, today we're going to talk about Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj who uh, is uh, everywhere these days, especially on the internet and social media because of the 350th birth anniversary. And who better to talk about Guru Gobind Singh Ji than Harinder Singh. Uh, he's been on many podcasts before and I wanted to talk to him because I just uh, saw a video of him talking about Guru Gobind Singh Ji in San Antonio and it raised a lot of points and it looks at Guru Gobind Singh Ji in a different angle and I really liked it. I think it'll be good for everyone listening to see Guru Gobind Singh Ji in a different light and not just the way we uh, grew up with him. Uh, So uh, let's get started. Uh, Harinder Singh, you doesn't really need a big introduction, but he's been active with the Sikh Research Institute, with Punjab Digital Library, and the Free Akal movement. Movement. Uh, Harinder, welcome again to the podcast.
1: Guru Fateh, glad to be back.
0: Okay, so I really enjoyed um, and I really learned a lot from your uh, lecture slash speech uh, in San Antonio about Guru Gorman Singh. And uh, I wanted to dive deeper and let our audience get some insights as well on Guru Gobind Singh Ji. And the first one, and you've said this a long time ago, uh, but I I think it gets lost when we talk about gurus and the history. And you made a point to say Guru Gobind Singh Ji, and all the gurus really, but Guru Gobind Singh Ji and Guru Nanak were the same exact person. We cannot separate them. And, And can you talk about that a little more on how they're the same? Because we have this notion and people say, oh, the first five gurus, were kind of pacifist, and the later five became more warrior-like. But I like that you said, no, Guru Nanak Deji, Guru Gobind Singh Ji, same light, same wisdom, same person. Do you talk about that a little more?
1: Sure. I mean, you know, uh, by the way, that lecture was in Dallas, so still in Texas. But, you know, the the thing thesis of Gurbani uh, or Sikhi is very, very clear on this. So we have to have a very emphatic answer on this, uh, which essentially is that in Guru Granth Sahib, it is so clear that the wisdom or the enlightenment, the word is jodh, and the methodology which is used to implement that wisdom were exactly the same between all the gurus. The only thing which was different was the body. Now, this needs to be really emphasized um, because when you pick up any book, including most six when they're giving lecture otherwise, they seem to differentiate between the gurus, you know. Uh, The books which have come out even in 2016, end of the 2016, whether they're Indian writers, Pakistani writers, or diaspora writers, they still keep indulging in this, and they're really not aware of the Sikh thesis, which is what Guru Gremsav says. In addition to that, we have so many secondary sources, but I will just mention one. The one who was in the court of the Guru, Pai Goya, the one who was also the lover of the Guru from a Sikh-Guru relationship, He also writes a very, very explicit note naming every single Guru from Guru Nanak through Guru Gobind Singh. And he essentially shows that Hamu Nanak as Hamu Guru Gobind Singh, which essentially means that Guru Nanak and Guru Gobind Singh are exactly the same. And he mentions the eight other in between as well. So uh, anyone who does not understand this ends up distorting the, the real thesis of Sikhi, the real reason for Gurus to come on this earth and start uh, this uh, uh, sort of a new form of not just a religion, but also a revolution, although both words are foreign, the word in Guru Granth Sahib is actually Raj, which means a system of governance. So yes, it needs to be really, really understood well. There is absolutely no difference between the value system between the ten gurus, as well as the implementation or the methodology they use to implement those values.
0: But then which version of Guru Gobind Singh Ji, I mean, you mentioned Pai Nanla Goa's version of him, which seems to be the most appropriate since he was a contemporary, but, and I'm also thinking it's not Punjabi, so it's probably not that famous, uh, or it's not that well-known to uh, the community or well-talked about. But what other versions? Are there anything else, is there anyone else that we should read that we should look to uh, to get, like, a truer version of Guru Gobind Singh Ji?
1: Well, you know, this happens not just among Sikhs or Sikhi or any of the founder gurus or the history there, uh, thereafter of the Sikhs. This happens everywhere in the world. You know, we are in early 2017s. You still have versions floating around on what happened in elections in America. Which version do you listen to? Well, we are being asked you know, to listen to all versions, but is that really the case in, a, in all scenarios? No, it's not. You know, we have our own systems, which means there is a, you look at some facts, you look at the theses, which are, or the reasons why certain things exist, and based on that, uh, uh, you you say, okay, this is a closer or the real version, uh, although others are opinions and interpretations. Uh, And, you know, we live in a very, very funny environment today. And I want to contextualize this because the environment, whether we're in America or in India or anything in between, we can't even call spade a spade anymore. You know, now we have phraseologies like post-truth, which essentially is a lie. Uh, Same thing happens when we talk about Sikhi. They manufacture, depending on where you are living, some things happen out of ignorance, but other things happen because of osmosis. So when some writer is writing certain thing or a painter or artist is depicting certain things, uh, unless they have had the experience of one, in this case, Guru Gobind Singh, for example, whatever they'll be saying will be based on the contemporary influences as well as the worldview, which they have already created in their mind about the Sikhi. This is why this is so important that any comment which is given on the gurus or on Sikhi it must find its basis in Guru Granth Sahib, in the Bani, because that's the only thing where all six have an agreement on, including the scholars. So uh, the, the image of the Guru, the idea of the Guru, the institutions of the Guru, the worldviews of the Guru, they're all detailed in Guru Granth Sahib, and anything which doesn't come close to that is something less or possibly completely false uh, so, I, I essentially I'm saying any writer, any author, any poet, and there were several other quote poets. We have versions available of, uh, for example, Sana Patsiri Guruseva, but there are books written in English by writers who quote those uh, contemporary poets and writers. Uh, I don't, the, what I'm sharing with you is not disputable. What I'm saying is accessibility to those who saw the guru, loved the guru, understood the guru, were also given the authority by the guru to express. For example, Pai Nandalal Goya. Goya literally means the one who knows how to express. Uh, We need to look closely at the primary and secondary sources, uh, which were uh, essentially uh, recommended by the guru uh, because they explored the ideas of Sikhi much better.
0: Okay, so going on that and describing uh Guru Gobind Singh i got an email i don't know maybe last week or something like that uh sometime last week and uh, it took me by surprise because i've never saw those words together before but um and i know pdl was doing some exhibition in Patna side uh or butna but um it said emperor prophet so i was like oh wow i never heard that those two words together like that how did how did you come about that? How did you guys come about describing uh, Guru Gobind Singh as Emperor Prophet? Because I thought it was really awesome.
1: Sure. I, you know, this was a discussion within the team which was curating the exhibition. And we discussed, you know, the words which are used by 21st century writers, 20th century, 19th, 18th, 17th. We had to go back to the Guru period. And one of the things which is very, very clear, we went back to Guru Granth Sahib again what is it that Guru Granth Sahib says is the most appropriate phrase for the Gurus? And we basically said, you know what, the phrase is Guru. The Sikh phrase in Sikh ideology or in the Sikh worldview or in the Sikh doctrine in Guru Granth Sahib, the phrase used is Guru. So we actually kept that title, Guru Gobind Singh Sahib, because this is how we present each Guru, you know, Guru Nanak Sahib, Guru Angad Sahib and so on. So the minimum uh, understanding of all sexes we use the prefix guru because that defines who they are, both as individuals and institutions, doctrinally speaking, and sahib because they became the sovereigns Sahib is a sovereign. So, how do you describe this phenomena? Because the word guru gets used in different varieties within the Indic tradition and now also in the Western traditions. So, this is where we looked at the secondary sources, but even when we were looking at the secondary sources, The question is, how do you tell the world about this? Because if you uh, use phrases which are archaic, if you use phrases where every word will then require an asterisk to explain, then it does not capture people's imagination as well as doing justice. So guru is everything. The reason we end up picking Amper prophet is, actually Pahinandilal has written a phrase which is badshah darvesh. So badshah, the Sikh world uses the word Pathsha. And Darwish, the Sikh world uses the word something like a guru or something like uh, or something from the religious world. So what is happening is that there is a leadership or authority in the religious world. There is leadership or authority in the political world, and those are the two words which the world understands. So we decided that we will use uh, emperor because emperor is something a global phenomena everyone understands. The same, similarly, profit in the global phenomena everyone understands. So we ended up picking these two words. Now, they are not unfounded within the confines of Guru Granth Sahib. In fact, they're very much entertained there. Because when they describes Guru Nanak as to what he enjoyed in this world and rest of the gurus, including Guru Ram Das and others, it says Raj Jog. Again, Raj represents political domain and Jog represents the religious domain. So we ended up saying okay the word itself is guru for us to explain to the world what the guru is in the sikh context it's an integration of religion and politics it is not just religious and not just political and the highest levels of leadership the world understands in those phenomena although some are uh, only uh perhaps be seen in a semantic tradition for example the word prophet but the idea was when you say emperor prophet all of a sudden you have equated it or uh, raised it to the level which are very few people. To be an emperor is very little. Uh, there are very few people to be prophet are very few people. But then you have an emperor prophet. So this was the explanation of the word guru in the Sikh tradition.
0: Yeah, it's unlike the world, uh, unlike the world has ever seen someone like Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj uh, to be an emperor prophet. I mean that.
1: And and, and and that's exactly right, because the world has never seen any model of Thikhi, And obviously, because they haven't seen any model of sikhi they haven't seen a model of Guru Gobind Singh. And these are explanations to present what Guru Gobind Singh is. And by the way, Pai Nandlal Goya explains both of these very, very clearly. For example, when he gets into explaining uh, uh, as to what the, In the religious world, for example, what uh, what Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj is, you know, he compares them and he actually uses these words, you know, which in equivalent uh, English will be things like the godly persons or the prophets or the Sufis, Arjun, Bhim, Rustams and the Psalms, and Asfandiyars and Ram, Lakshman, Shiva, Ganesh. And then he gets into something beyond the four Vedas and the sixth philosophy and the aromatic Arabs and the Iranians, the West and East. This is a sparkling light beyond West and East. So he uses things like that. And so this represents the religious arena. When he cuts into the political arena, he starts making comparisons to Roman emperors and Chinese and Turkish emperors, uh, Iranian kings and Chinese kings, um, Russian emperors, uh, South Asian emperors, you know, the Rajput rulers and the Western chiefs and rulers. So my point is, we actually... The Sikhs themselves, I don't think we have actually seen the Guru in this light. Because when the symbolism show up or his portraits show up uh, from a Jahagir-like era, we critique them. Yes, we should critique them because they are not fully capturing the Guru. But what they are doing is, initial ones, they were trying to show that, you know, you've seen the Jahagir who is only a Bhatsha. Can you imagine a Bhatsha who is also a prophet? And that's Guru Gobind Singh. So, my point is, the earlier writers, earlier contemporary, um, both Sikhs and non Sikhs, were able to capture elements of this, which actually were closer to the idea of the Guru. And now we are 350 years removed, and we live in the world of revisionism. We lived in a world of uh, misappropriations and reappropriations. So, you know, uh, Guru Govind Singh Maharaj is getting reappropriated in front of our own eyes, depending on who's running. The contem- depending on the contemporary politics of Indian nationalism, for example. Uh, if you go to 1940s, Grigobin Singh was being disowned by the Indian nationalistic politics. If you look at it today, because at that time it was the Gandhis and the Tagores, today it is the RSS who like Shivaji-like figures, so they are misappropriating from that angle. My point is we cannot look at the Guru only based on the contemporary phenomena and nationalistic politics. We need to look at the Guru primarily based on Guru Granth Sahib, secondary based on uh, those who uh, saw the Guru, those who witnessed the Guru, those who were in love with the Guru.
0: Wow. So when I think of emperor, if I bring it back to maybe I might want an example or I might want your interpretation of it but when i think emperor too i'm thinking someone that's going to rule uh someone that has governance someone that's uh, creating the uh you know whole new world for people that it's going to be in their raj and it's going to be under his governorship what was so special or why did i mean i know you can't speak for him obviously but like by nun and other contemporaries what was so special about Guru Gobind Singh Ji's governance, or Guru Gobind Singh Ji's emperor-like uh, presence, that you know captivated them. That captivated people to be with him, to see with him, to fight for him. Like what? What did what did the world not see uh, or even imagine before Guru Gobind Singh
1: showed them? That's an excellent question. Thank you for asking that. You know, so we have, uh, as I mentioned. When we get into the details of these, we do have other references available and other texts available which capture elements of Guru Saab. And so, for example, in the emperor-like elements, you know, we have this period between 1676 and 1699, which we, I don't think, think too much about. So in this period, this is the training period. You know, there's a catalytic event which happens. There is a martyrdom of Guru Teegwadur Saab. And we immediately think that somehow the Khalsa comes about. but There's a 23 year period. In that 23 year period, his battles and his governance, his diplomacy, I can't, you know, all the words we use today to define or explain uh, varieties of things which come under governance or Raj, uh, those are all being dealt with, literally being dealt with in a way uh, which sometimes you think you know, is too political, but that's exactly what it is. For example, you know, he's in Punjab at that time. The uh, the South Asia or Indian Empire is run by the Mughals. Um, the the Mughals kings who report to the Mughals in Punjab are 22 kings of Hil Raja chiefs, we call them. So he's dealing with all 22 of them. And all, out of those 22, only one of them sides with him. And this whole question of who joins the Guru's forces, because what he was fighting for was different than what the Mughals fought for or what the Hill Rajas fought for. He was fighting for people's right. The world hadn't seen that. So even the ones who, regardless of whether they were Hindus or Muslims, reporting to either the Hill Rajas or the Mughal empires, regardless of their religious background, they were more or less considered Guru Gobind Singh's enemy because he was not after uh, creating his fiefdom, as we would call it today, or his imperial hegemony. Now at the same time, then who joins the Guru? Well, the Muslims uh, who think from the Guru's vision join him. Like Peer Buddha is a great example of that. Uh, his uncle actually, uh, by relationship, but also Kripalchand. When there's a Pangani Dayud happening, which is one of the earlier battles. Uh, he joins him. So people who joined the Guru were those who liked his vision of governance. And... Uh, then there are all sorts of dealings. You know our kind of dealings we deal with today? We think this is not real and this is just something... This is not a phrase when we are calling him emperor. He actually had to deal with the lies of the state at the time, lies of the agents of the state, the policies of the state, and he fought against all of them. Many a time, he had to fight a very gruesome battle. Many a time, there were diplomatic missions. Other times, uh, there were... Uh, For example, when there is a siege of Anandpur in a uh, post-1699 environment, when he leaves Anandpur, and this is another differentiation factor about him as an emperor, you know, uh, when he's ordered, as we say, uh, let's say requested and ordered by the Panchapiradas in the form of the Panth to leave the Anandpur, he does it. He says, I understand, but I'm not going to leave as if uh, uh, in a in a hidden environment. You know, I'm not going to change. I'm going to actually announce to the world. And he announces that, uh, uh, that Guru Gobind Singh is leaving. Anyone who wants to capture him can, can capture him. The world hadn't witnessed this. So world hadn't witnessed somebody who looks at principles rather than self-renguism, rather than uh, expansion of land, or rather than looking off his own religious kind or own family or caste or a background, because that's what we see in the world even today. You know, the uh, so, so that part is there, and the other part is that he actually excited uh, anyone and everyone, uh, regardless of their religious backgrounds, uh, to join this movement, join this revolution, to fight for people's right, which is essentially what gets established uh, and the Bandha Raj as well. So um, the way he operated, the way he distinguished between uh, what we now call uh, simply the lies uh, or the post-truths as we are calling them today, um, his ability to see through them and his ability to, I mean, I'm using these words again. He's a guru. We know that means perfection. But since we're disc- uh, talking about the the political environments he was growing up in, they were it was a havoc. You know how you watch Godfather movies or you might watch today Game of Thrones. I mean Govind Singh Maharaj is going through all of that. You know what happens to his father, what happens to his children, what happens to many of his six, what happens to the his capital he founded at the city of Anandpur. You you know what happens at the city of uh, sorry, at the river Sarsa where we lose everything he had done. And this is the the greatness or the grandness, among other grandnesses of Emperor Prophet Gobind Singh Maharaj, that the color he produced, the music he inspired, the literature he developed, the, uh, the training centers he created, the warriors he created. He was more interested in creating all sorts of artists in this world. And even when all those goals when, he, when there's evacuation or there's a separation, he is still uh, moving on and accepting as a hook because this is where Professor Puran Singh captured that the politics of the guru is that the new consciousness he has raised where people could no longer remain slaves, they chose to die on the battlefield and remain uh, the wretched slaves. You know, So that's what he did. He inspired an average person, where there was no divine right needed by the priestly class nor by the imperial forces. He excited them, and he redefined the religious and political arena.
0: Wow, that was a lot, <laughs> but uh, that was a great answer. Um, oh man, I learned a lot. I, I do want to ask, though. Uh, you know, while you were speaking. Uh, A parental question, actually, because I'm sure there's a lot of parents listening out there. And in today's age, there's so much to do. People don't have time. People, uh, you know, don't even have time to raise their kids properly or spend time with them, really. I don't know about raising, but more, you know, spending time with family because the world has, you know, with all this technology, you're working even when you come home, you've got the laptop open. So the so the question I really want to ask is, how does a person like this, a guru I know is perfection, how does somebody like that have the time even, and I know it takes a village, but uh, have Jadzadzadeh, and um, I'm referencing that too because the movie came out a year or two ago and it was very popular and very well made. Um, how does somebody like that raise four uh, amazing, amazing sons to do what they did? Any parenting parenting skills we can take away too, probably uh that'll hit closer to home? Well yes,
1: we we need to revisit the ideals and do we even know the ideals? For example, this is where let me bring in Pai Veer Singh, for example. You know, he describes the scene, what Gurgovin Singh Maharaj sees at his time. And let me actually let me uh let me quickly actually read that if i may recall some of it he basically he's he's looking at the environment right this is what we are facing and that's your question as a parent what are we looking at and then because what he's asked to do was as a parent as a father so that's how i want to bring this in you know at that time it is hindustan Aurangzeb is occupying the throne in delhi and constituency of hindus muslims and other faiths and denominations but here is the part which is exactly the same as today Darkness pervades, doors of education are shut, fear, superstitions, and cowardice pervades the Hindus, and injustice, ignorance, deception, power, and tyranny occupies the Muslims. Again, this is India. You can, you can change the words. The point here is haves and have-nots. Have-nots are caught up in fear and cowardice, and haves are furthering injustice, ignorance, deception, power, and tyranny. Then he continues, he says, quarrels, bickering and clashes prevail between the religious and the pundits so this is what we see today this is exactly what we see within the sick world and in the extra sick world in the global phenomena you have the pundits who are the experts you know who are spinning every little thing and people from the religious world literally at some point including in the last presidential election in america we saw this come together to make a deal but what is the consequence humanity is weak and meek, and indeed, constituency is in pain, severe pain. So this is the scenario when Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj comes. So why does he come on this earth? And as the divine hukum commands, this is Pai V Singh's way of presenting it, but I like the way he presents this. And he says, he says the hukum says to him, you depart for the motherland and inaugurate the high spirit person, the chardikala person. Become the one to lead. So this is the answer from parenting angle. This is what Guru Gobind Singh was asked, and we, being and wanting to be, aspiring to be sons and daughters of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj, we need to become like him, because he's the one we want to not just imitate, but imbibe the values. So this is what he did. He became the one to lead, lead to teach, and teach to finalize the Khalsa, the exemplar of High Spirit ideals. So he led it, he taught it, and he exhibited the Khalsa's Chardikala. He didn't talk about the Chardikala. And it's very interesting, even in that same phrase, uh, Pai Bir Singh says that wahiguru or Hukum is saying to him, which is instructive for us again today, not just as parents but as citizens of the world. He says the human I created, noble on the earth, is disintegrating. Humans were the nobles on the earth. The ones who came on the earth and decided who were noble or not noble, who were the Gentiles or the Kafirs, who were accepted and not. So all the boundaries we made. But in the Sikh paradigm, humans, every human on this earth is noble, but the nobility is disintegrating. So what do you do? Lead by example. Teach as Guru. Nurture as the Father with strength and love, so the earth becomes blissful. This is how you create a Begampura. This is why there's a journey from Kartarpur. To uh, an unfold, we need to lead by example. We need to teach, and we need to nurture with strength and love. I think this is what uh, parents and six need to go back to. Uh, We are not becoming the one to lead. We are not leading to teach, and we are not teaching to finalize the ideas of high spirits. We are merely just, you know, from interfaith to feel good speeches is where we are. So parents need to basically uh, understand the real Guru Nanak, the real Guru Gobind Singh. And the way, and I'm not saying don't read other people. I don't want you to think that at all or any of your audience to think that. I mean, I do read. Uh, other day when I was presenting, I also mentioned, I even asked my mom, who I think knew a lot of poetry. I said, did you know that Siv Kumar Bhattalavi has also written a poem on Guru Gobind Singh? She said, I had no idea. So I won't actually mention that. I said, you know, it's important to know that. But it's important to know that a sensitive poet of Punjab, a popular poet of Punjab, even when he's asked to talk about Guru Gobind Singh, he's not in a hurry. He's choosing his words very wisely. And even then he says that a drop for my eye is not going to be able to present you properly. Because my because I'm coward. And I don't have a song to sing for you. This is what he does after three months of thinking about it. And my point is, People who are writing about Guru Gobind Singh, people who are depicting him in any art form, we need to take our time. If you don't know the Guru, you're only going to be imitating the popular art around you in your environments, and that's not what Guru Gobind Singh is. He is beyond the his his movement and his direction transcends the uh, contemporary markers of uh, history and psychology and other things.
0: So well, there's some. Uh... Great thoughts to get us to the end of this podcast, Sorinda. I really appreciate it. As usual, where could uh, any last thoughts and also where could people find you if they want to reach you, see what you're up to, see what you're writing, what you're doing?
1: Well, uh you know, I social media wise I'm only on Twitter, so at uh one force number one F O R C E is the best way to see what I'm up to and where I'm traveling to. Um I remain very interested in anything spiritual, anything political, because this is what I'm learning and what I have learned about Sikhi. Uh other than that, you know, my work continues with the three organizations you mentioned uh with Sikrish Institute. I'll be starting uh more work Gurbani related and some uh, paper writing as well. And you'll find all of that on Sikh Institute website. Um I'll continue to work with Punjab Digital Library, one of the uh, work latest works is the exhibition which uh, was uh, curated for uh, government of Bihar which uh, is going on currently at Patna at Bihar museum you know, for the 350th anniversary of guru gobind singh maharaj and uh work with free Takht. you can find more information there about continuing to develop uh, the year two plan for self governance model for sex beyond uh, nation states
0: great great Well. Thank you very much uh, for spending time with
1: us today. Well, thank you. And I do want to mention one more thing again that, you know, this is true in literature and this is true even today. The person you know the most is the person you love. And the person you love, you then want to know everything about that person. So uh, people who uh, want to know about Guru Gobind Singh, they will have to delve into Gurbani. And then, secondly, Those historical accounts, those who those who wrote about the Guru saw the Guru, or the ones who get intoxicated by Guru Gobind Singh, whether they live in 21st century,
0: or they lived whether they lived in late 1600s. Thank you.